0: Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Gathering Church, a place of grace where people far from God experience life in Christ. Sit back and relax and listen to today's message and be blessed.
1: I will not be speaking about the ways I am perfect Because, in all honesty, I am not perfect. I am not perfect in the way that we subscribe perfection. In a book, in a a dictionary, the Mary Webster dictionary says, to be perfect, what does it mean? It means to be without fault, without defect, to be flawless. So, by a show of hands, how many of you will say that you're flawless? No one? Okay. Well, let me ask you another question. When your spouse or your family member or maybe your coworker or friend fails to live up to your expectations, what do you think? What is your reaction? What do you say? Some of us will think lowly of them or we might insult them. Obviously, we'll do it in our mind because, you know, we're not gonna say it out loud. That would be like unChristian, like to do that, right? Because in our mind it's fine, right? Yes, no. <laughs> well, let's 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 go into the book of Ecclesiastes. Did I say that right? Ecclesiastes. ecclesiastes. You know, I, I I've always had trouble with this word in my life. I will say Ecclesiastes. You know, e- Ecclesia. Okay. So, e- what is it again? Ecclesiastes. Oh, okay. Ecclesiastes. Oh, all right. Well, tomato, tomato, right? Okay. Uh, let's get into the book of Ecclesiastes, <laughs> chapter seven, verse twenty. Let's see what it says here. And the NIV, Sorry, i sorry. I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait. Wait for you guys to get there. Everyone there? Good, good, good. In the NIV version of this text, it says, indeed, there is no one on earth who is righteous, no one who does what is right and never sins. The New Living Translation says, not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. See, the truth is that we will never be perfect. None of us are perfect. We are not without fault. We are, with, we are not without fault. None of us are perfect. But the problem is that many of us expect other people to be perfect. I mean, we may not you know, realize it, but the response to their failures can show how we really feel. And I'm sure some of us might say, you know what, I know I'm not perfect. Of course, I'm not, I know I'm not perfect. I can't get it all right. But when things get really difficult in our life, when the demands begin to uh, come into our life, the demands at work and at home, it's often very difficult for us to accept the fact that, you know what? We're not perfect. And we can go on and try to struggle and strive for perfection. but. It's so hard for us to, to, to stop that because we want to succeed. We want to progress. We want to be able to you know, be reliable, impress other people. We want to be right. We want to be perfect. We don't want to be without, flaw, without, without a, a fault or defect. So what happens is we build a life where we strive for perfection every day of our life. And unknowingly, we put this pressure on ourselves because we're not willing to let go and allow God to do his work. So we continue doing this, and we try our our, our best to just make sure that everything is in line, make sure that all these things are right, all doing this in our own strength, in our own understanding, and only focusing on ourselves, thinking about ourselves. See, I've been down this road before, and it didn't end so well. It was... My junior year in college, about four years ago, when I was in uh, uh, Georgetown in D.C., I had several commitments. They piled on from one semester to the next, and then I had all these other things that just kept on coming up for one month after another. And in my heart, I didn't want to just, you know, let my peers down, let my professor down. I wanted to make sure that I did everything possible and I wanted to make sure that I don't let myself or God down. I was trying to do all these things. And I'm gonna tell you specifically what it was, just to give you the uh, reality of what I was going through at this moment. First of all, I was taking 17 credits. I had five classes I was taking. And I was on the pre-med route while as well uh, majoring in theology. And if you know what the pre-medical route is, you take all these different science courses. That year, that semester, I was taking a biology and a physics course with a lab. And it's not your average biology science course that you would take on a side where you're, you know, just want to get it out of the way. No, this is a class that you, classes that you would take for the whole sole purpose of getting into medical school. Now, that's not it. I was working at a research lab running experiments, doing the projects, all these different projects, to get to a certain goal in these projects, to do certain things so that we can find new things, find new research that, that, that we've been discovering in, in, in the, uh, the lab. On top of that, I was a full-time RA. I had to plan events. I had to uh, make sure that everything was good with my residents. I had to have weekly meetings. I had weekly one-on-one meetings with my building director. Also, I, w- I had to be on duty, night duty, every single, um, about every single week or so. And sometimes night duty, I wouldn't be able to sleep till 2 a.m. because you had to go on round rounds. And if it's a weekend night, you know, sometimes people are partying doing this. So I had to make sure nobody was violating the policies of the school. So they had all those things. On top of that, I was also doing room inspections and hall safety inspections. That wasn't it. I was working as a student security guard for dorm buildings and if you know what that is, you have to be at the front desk and make sure whoever swipes into the school is is it has access into the school. Make sure that no one, you know, who is not supposed to be there is coming in. On top of that, I was also serving at my church in DC at the resource table giving people resources about how you can get connected to the church. On top of that, I was involved in campus ministry at my school, where we were trying to connect with a lot of students on the campus and get them to be saved, get them to experience a life in Christ. I got two more. <laughs> at the same time, right? At the same time, that's what I'm talking about. I had a weekly three-hour MCAT classes that I was taking and MCAT, MCAT, if you know what that is, is the exam that you take in order to enter into med school. I was taking those prep courses. And then from time to time, I was an organic chemistry tutor. And that's just some of the things. So There was other stuff, but you know, I'll just leave it right there. Just end it right there. So in all this, I was trying to be perfect at everything. I didn't want to let anything go. And I didn't even realize how many things that I really had to do. I was just thinking, you know, okay, I have to do this, that, that, okay, you no, know, I just keep on going. But I was trying to be perfect at everything. When that didn't work, I tried to be okay at everything. I was like, okay, I'll meet, I'll meet the bare minimum at least. But eventually, that didn't work either. Things got so bad that my research professor, who once was praising my efforts in the research lab, was now telling me how angry he was that I missed the opportunity, that I was misusing the opportunity, and that not only that, but the, for the fact that I was being so unreliable, and that I had failed to do what I had promised. And he told me that, to me, he wasn't just, it wasn't just I, I thought it was, that's what he said. But it wasn't until after my semester was over, I took a look back at everything, and I was like, wow, you know, I twisted God's words. I mean, it's true. I was thinking to myself, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do it, you know? That's what it says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, you know? But it's true that the Bible says that. But it didn't say, I can do all things all at once. Nope. What it says in a book of Ecclesiastes (laughs) chapter 3, it says, there is a time for everything. It says that there's a season for every activity under the heavens. There's a time to do this, and there's a time to do that. There's a time to plant, there's a time to uproot. But even as a spouse or a parent, not just as a student, We can fall into the trap of trying to do everything on our own, trying to make sure that everyone is happy, trying to make sure that everything is set. Sometimes perfection pervades our lives so much to the point that when we do fail, when we do sin, we try to act like nothing happened. Or, or we begin to discourage ourselves, we begin to tell ourselves, you know, we're worthless, you know, we just, we just can't get this thing right in our life. You know, we just continue, continue, continue to just mess up. But God doesn't want that for our lives. God doesn't want us to be trapped into that mindset. Because when we do that, we fall big time. We don't understand how to properly get out of our situation and our failures and move forward. But I'm telling you today, God wants to move you forward. He doesn't want you to be trapped in the idea that, Okay, you know, I'm going to focus on my failures. i got to get this thing right. Got No, 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 no. Instead of trying to focus on perfection, fix your eyes on Christ. Stop focusing on perfection. Stop focusing on your failures and what you lack like what you can't do or what you're trying to do. Focus on Christ because when you fix your eyes on Christ, he will begin to show you that you can't do everything on your own, that you need him. That there's only so much that you can do. When you fix your eyes on Christ, he will begin to show you the ways in which you need to build your life. How you need to set your your workload and what you need to do. And how you need to order your life properly. When we choose to fix our lives on Christ, we learn from our mistakes. And then we can move forward. And when we do this, we grow into maturity. That is called growing to maturity in our faith. But in all of that, it doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect. But we have to be acceptable. We have to accept the fact that we are going to make mistakes. But in those mistakes, we have to realize we need Jesus. Now, some of you might say, okay, you told us that, Olu, all right. But, I mean, the Bible says, you know, be perfect. As your heavenly Father is perfect, so how can we not strive for perfection? All right? Well, I found this to be a stumbling block as well, but let's just go into uh, Matthew, chapter five verse 48. says here be perfect therefore as your heavenly father is perfect so yep the Bible says to be perfect but because of our sinful nature it is often hard for us to be perfect no matter how hard we try then why is God calling us to strive for something that we cannot achieve? Why is Christ calling us to strive for something that eventually we will not achieve? Well, since the beginning of time when God created us, he said we were good, we were perfect. He called us to walk blameless along the earth. But because of sin at the Garden of Eden, we ourselves became born into sin. And after that, there was it was. It's been so hard for us to get out of that pattern of sin. You see, God could have. Christ could have said to us, you know. Be, be okay. Be 50% good, you know. Or you know, just just only sin when necessary. But in all honesty, God's standards doesn't change at the expense of human error. He still calls us to be perfect. So even though the fact that we messed up, he is still going to be faithful to what he said he was going to be faithful to. We may be faithless, but he's going to be faithful. He cannot deny himself. So even though he calls us to be perfect, and we find it hard to be perfect, that's not telling us to give up. What it's telling us to do is instead strive to turn towards God each time. And learn from him day in and day out. Come to him day in and day out because we really need him. We need him more than we would ever realize in our whole entire life. You can say I'm going to stop doing this, I'm going to stop doing that, I'm going to stop doing this, I'm going to stop cussing, I'm going to stop smoking, I'm going to stop drinking. All these things you can say you want to stop doing, but at the end of the day, we still need Jesus. We still need him. He said, come unto me all you who are weary and are a burden. He said, you will find rest. Then he said, take my yoke and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And then he went on and went on. And he said, here in uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. If you can go there right now. Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And then he ends off and says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What he's trying to tell us here is to stop striving to do this thing called life all on your own. Stop striving to be perfect and focus on your failures. He said no. Come to me, look towards me, and I will give you rest. I will show you, but what you need to do is learn from me. So what is he saying here? How do we learn from him? How does this look like? Well, we're going to have some Bible study here. Go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 to 48. We're going to go back there. We're going to see what it truly means. to learn from him and to follow in his ways and to fix our eyes on him. It says here, everybody's there. <laughs> yeah, verse 38 to 40, yeah. You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and, rain, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your, only your own people, what are you doing more than others? not even pagans do that be perfect therefore as your heavenly father is perfect this word perfect when we read when we read the bible sometimes you might come to a point where something just doesn't sound right we got to figure out how really what, what, is, what is it really saying here when that happens we need to be able to look at the verses beforehand and look at the verses afterwards and also sometimes we might need to get into actually what the meaning of that word is and where where it it derived from. This word perfect here is actually saying to be complete. And perfect has been used in the Bible many times, even in the book of uh, Genesis chapter 17, verse 1, where God calls Abraham, he tells him to walk before me and be perfect. That word perfect is talmi in the Hebrew language. Tamim means to be complete, to come to an end, to finish. And there's all these other different meanings. This word perfect has the same same meaning here as well, to to, to be complete. But the idea of being complete is not necessarily the way that we might think of it when we think of perfect. Sometimes we think of perfect, we think of flawlessness, we think of without fault. But he's saying be complete. Your as your heavenly father is complete. What he's saying here is that we need to give up ourselves. We need to come to the same level as as our as our Heavenly Father has come to. And then if you go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 to 9. rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death and even to death on a cross therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name if you really want to experience growth in your life in your faith if you really want to be complete and whole, you have to know that it's not about the accomplishments. It's not about the promotions. It's not about what you did yesterday, or what you're doing tomorrow. It's not about that. No. What it is about is your willingness to empty yourself of yourself time and time again so that God's will can shine through you. It is not about us thinking to ourselves that, Okay, I'm going to fix all these things in my life, and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Because when we focus on perfection, we forget about God. We lose sight of God. Instead of focusing on perfect, perfection, focus on the one that is perfect. When we seek him and we seek his face, he will begin to show us, and begin to show us what the good things that he wants for us to do in our life. And this is a critical point in the message. And I'm going to be ending soon, but this is a critical point in the message. Many of us Christians begin and think that, and also people all over the world think that if we do everything right, if we structure everything in our life, make sure everything is right, if we don't do this, don't do that, that we'll be righteous and we'll gain eternal life. So many of us have gotten to the habit of trying to make sure that everything is right, trying to make sure that we accomplish all these things so that we can be able to gain eternal life. Well, I told you we're going to do Bible today. The book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 8 to 10, says, For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Jesus Christ to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You, we are not, your works is not going to save you. Whatever you do, whatever things that you try to strive for, that's not going to be what saved you. When Abraham came to God and when God appeared to him, Abraham believed God. He believed in him. And because of that, His belief was credited as righteousness. It wasn't by the fact that he was circumcised or he did this or he did that. No, it was his belief that was credited as righteousness. When we are in our life and we are in our path and we are walking in the path of God, we can do so many things. We can stop. We 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 can stop doing this, stop doing that. But it is our belief in Christ that makes us saved. And that's what Gives us eternal life. Now, some of you might say, "Okay, well, then should we go on, continue sinning?" Then, I mean, because if, you know, if our, if it's if we're not if we're not getting into heaven because of all the things, great things that we have done, and all the outreaches that we have done, and how we have prayed for people, and do all those things, if we're not getting into heaven because of that, then, I mean, I can still believe God, right, and then sin as well. Well. Remember that the wages of sin is death. If you continue sinning, if you continue doing that, it will kill you in the end, spiritually and even maybe physically. And when you continue doing that, you will come to a point where it won't even be possible for you to believe in God. It won't even be possible for you to have that faith because your spirit will be dead inside. And that's the thing. That's where we have to figure out. That's what we have to think about. This thing right here, all this right here that I'm telling you right now is a critical point in our faith because times we can just try to strive and make sure that we are doing the right thing. I'm not saying we shouldn't do the right thing, but that's not going to be what's going to save us. It is the grace of God that saves us. And I'm telling you, I know this message right here is about perfection, and about how, you know, we are not perfect, but it's done on my heart, Pastor, and I really believe that as a church, we should definitely do a message on grace, because we, because of the way this world is, it's always so much focused on us, us, you know, what we're doing, whatever, you know, I have a I have a YouTube channel, I have a Facebook, look at me, look at me, it's about me making sure that I look good in front of everybody, all these things, you know, make sure I look fine, whatever. And it's always about focusing about us, how can I be perfect, how can I be the best, how can I you know, achieve higher and higher, and all those things like that. When that's not going to be what's going to make us to, 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 to get into heaven or to, 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 to be the perfect people or to you know, be right because that's not going to be what's going to make us be right or perfect. What perfect is, like I said, is to be complete in this way that Jesus Christ is calling us to be complete. And this is the toughest part of our faith. Believing in God is the toughest part of our faith. We can do so many things. We can say, okay, I'll go and you know be a part of city serve. I'll go and you know pray for you know my brother or sister. Yes, I can do that. But when things get really tough in our life, when the troubles come, when God challenges us, it's so hard for us to trust him because we want that control. We want to be able to control everything, make sure everything is right. You know what? I'm not too sure if I'm going to have you know enough money to pay for this and that. I'm not too sure if, you know, I'm going to have enough finances for school. I'm not too sure if, you know, I'm going to be able to pay off the rent. I'm not too sure if then God's going to be able to provide for me here and there. I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure. You know what? I got to make sure everything is right. Oh my gosh. And that causes us to lose sight of God. That causes us in our heart to begin to just to this just, to just, to this just, 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 just go just burn and just go down and just everything can just be this turn out bad for us, where we begin to discourage ourselves. You know, Jesus Christ had an encounter with a man who had thought the same way that we may be thinking or have thought in our life. If you go to Matthew chapter 19, verse 16 to 26, I can... um, Reach on this. This is about the rich, rich young man. He said, just then a man came to Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get, to etern- to get eternal life? Jesus replied, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Now, when 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 people ask Jesus Christ questions, there are times where He will, He will, He will try to He will give you what you want to hear. And then at the end, He will enlighten you. So this is the part where he's giving him what he wants to hear. He's like, because I mean, you know, he knows, come on. He he knows what this guy's been up to. So he says, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. The guy replies, All these I have kept. What do I still lack? And then this is where he flips it on you. Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell possessions, sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. <laughs> then Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And this may not mean somebody who has all the money, but somebody who has all these things in their life, and it's really hard for them to let go of it and allow God to take control. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to grow through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. With the works of man, this is impossible. No matter what you do in trying to be perfect, so that you can get into heaven or so that you can be be there, it's impossible. You can't do it on your own. But with God, all things are possible. So then Peter answered him, We have left everything to follow you what then will there be for us jesus said to them truly i tell you at the renewal of all things when the son of man sits on his glorious throne you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of israel after peter had heard all this he answered god and he said you know what god I left everything. I emptied myself out. I gave up myself of myself. I gave myself away. I stopped focusing on me, God. So what more is there? What will there be for me? And Jesus replied and said, because you did that, you yourself will be exalted high in the heavens. It wasn't about what he did or what they did. It was about the fact that they trusted Jesus, they trusted God, and they sought after him. So we can say, I stop smoking, I stop cussing, I don't sleep around, but the very attitude or spirit that causes us to do those things can still be in us. Taking a new shape, a new form in our life. And that's why I said it's not about the things that we do and about getting all those things right, it is about fixing our eyes on Christ so that his will can shine through us so what I'm trying to say here is it's not over no matter how many battles you go through no matter how many financial struggles you overcome it's still not over we still need him because no one is righteous no one is perfect and if you think you are then obviously you don't need Jesus but let's all be real We know we need him. So while we're at it, let us humble ourselves. Let us turn to him and seek after him and empty ourselves daily so that his goodness, his promises can shine through us. Now, I know that's a lot to chew on. That's so much to to just, you know, put together. But no matter what we do, we're never fine. It's like what Pastor, Pastor Arthur was saying uh, last week. You know, seeking God is not about external prosperity. It's not about the things that we do on the outside. It's about internal prosperity and how the inside reflects what we do on the outside. So I asked you today, and I uh, hope you can just reflect on this. Are you trying to do things in your own strength, losing sight of God in the process, and not allowing him to play his part? Are you focusing on getting everything right in your life, or are you focusing on getting into the right relationship with Jesus Christ so that you can hear from him and follow what he's calling you to do? Are you focusing on perfection and being flawless, or are you focusing on the one who is perfect and the one who is flawless? When we look at Abraham, we look at David, no one ever says they were perfect people. We say that we were great people. And I'm telling you today, we are great people. You are great if you have grown into a closer relationship with God. And every day that you do that, you will experience greatness. No matter what you do, Even if you feel like there's a setback, that things are going haywire, unless you're time traveling to the past, you are getting better. You are becoming a better person. And even though this message here may not be perfect, may not be all that you wanted to hear, could have been better, what's perfect for you can be perfect for somebody else. Right. So instead of speaking from a life that is trying to strive for perfection, I'm speaking from a life of greatness in hopes that we will all strive to become better people. And that's about it. Amen. So let's just all make sure that we meditate on this, especially the passages, because it's very important for us to focus on this in, in, our, in our life, in our journey, as we're seeking God. Um, this is something that I think is very personal that we need to do, and um, if you really do want to seek God, then you find a time this week to really truly do that and see what he's calling you to do and how you bec- become closer to him and truly grow in his life. Amen.
0: Perfect word. word. Great word. word. Hallelujah. Come let's give God praise for Brother Olu. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. We can't just hear a word like that and not respond. Amen. God is calling us, amen, to be complete, to be whole in him, amen, to be perfect in that way, amen, and I believe that there was a challenge that was put out to us today, and the Father really wants us to come closer to him, amen, and I think it was so right on as we were talking about the elements of grace and how the Gathering Church that's our declaration. We are a place of grace, Amen. And that's something that, that that is an underlying theme throughout all that we do here. Is that there? This is a place of grace. You come broken, busted, and disgusted, Amen. Come on now, tore up from the floor up. Come on now, this is a place of grace, Amen. And this is a place, Amen. Where eagles get healed so they can soar again, Amen. And that's and that's what we're about, Amen. In the kingdom. Let's pray church. Father in heaven, we come before you, Lord God. Father God, take us back. Take me back, dear Lord, to the place where I first received you. Help us to do the things that we did at first. Help us to see the height from which we have fallen. God, we were zealous. We were hungry. We were desperate. Oh God, but we have come, we have become at ease in Zion. We have become comfortable. Oh, God, we've become comfortable with the junk and with our family members not being saved. We just say, oh, whenever, whenever. Oh, God, there was a time we were crying out, praying. Oh, God, we were desperate. We We didn't want to see one soul go to hell. And now people are just flying and going to hell by us. We don't even care anymore. We don't even want to open up our mouths and yet open up our Bibles. Father, help us today. Do a work in us, Lord. Do a work in this church, Lord God. Change us. Shift us, Lord God. Shift us that we can be whole again. That we will not rely on our own strength. Oh God, we cannot put together anyway. Oh God, once our hands touch it, we already marred up the clay. Oh God, we can't do it. We can't fix it. We've tried and we still come up short. But we know that when we come to you, the author and finisher of our faith, The God of grace, the God who can make all grace abound towards us. Oh, God, we thank you for grace this morning. We thank you, oh, God, that you will restore the eagles in this house today, that they will begin to soar again. Oh, God, they're not pigeons. Stop hanging around with the pigeons. Oh, God, hang around with the eagles. Come up higher where the eagles fly. The eagles don't nest in the tree. They nest on the mountaintops. Father, God, we have to change out where we hang ourselves, where we hang out at, God. Help us to shift ourselves, oh, God. You said there they mount up with wings as eagles, oh, God. Help us to mount up with those eagles' wings as we wait on you, God. Father, God, let our faith, oh, God, not wane. But faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Help us to build ourselves up, oh, God. Even our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Father, help us today. Restore us, oh, God. Even now, in the name of Jesus, Lord God. Father God, we bless your name, Lord God. Come on, let's give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. Father, we bless your name, Jesus.